0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to church. What a fantastic day to be in church. I love Baptism Sundays where we get to witness people standing in our baptistry publicly declaring that they are choosing to say yes to Jesus, choosing to follow him. And uh, they were some awesome testimonies that we heard this morning. So bless you guys. And uh, I love too that we're getting close to Christmas. Who loves Christmas oh come on who loves christmas who loves gateway christmas carols and anybody who didn't have their hands up it's because you've never been to one before because they are fabulous make sure you grab some of those cards as you're leaving take heaps of them hand them to your family and friends because carols at gateway is an event not to be missed and i have it on good authority that there will be air conditioning installed by Carols this year. Keep praying with me that that is true. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. I love singing Christmas carols, it's one of the reasons that I love Christmas. And I love just sitting down the front here at Carols. I love that I get to come four times and sing carols. Absolutely love it. Hark! The herald angels sing. It's not one of my favourites, but it's still a good one. It sounds a little bit weird though. Hark, the herald angels sing. It's not language that we use. But hark is, is simply an old English word that means listen. And a herald is somebody who has come to bring important news, important news that you need to stop and listen to. And in this uh, series over this Christmas period called Hark, we're looking at these moments that the angels came to visit to announce the greatest event that ever happened in human history. And this morning we have the privilege of of following the story of Mary. The announcement that the uh, angel Gabriel brought to her was the most incredible announcement that ever was you know the world was in a bit of a tailspin at the time the people hadn't heard from god for over 400 years and then out of nowhere comes this lowly girl to a lowly town to announce the greatest news ever heard by human ears will you pray with me god i thank you for the messages that the angels came to give as we read about them in Scripture. And God, I thank you that you still speak to us today. God, I thank you that your word still speaks truth to us. It speaks clearly to us. And God, I pray that this morning you would speak to our hearts through my words. God, that your word through me would ring true. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, we're going to read this um, encounter In Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. His kingdom will never end. This is a fantastic announcement, isn't it? How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Have you ever stopped and actually wondered what this moment was like for Mary. You know, I remember nearly 25 years ago finding out that I was pregnant with my first child. It wasn't planned. We were in a little bit of shock. But we got a phone call from the doctor at about 10 o'clock at night because he thought we might want to know ASAP, that we were indeed pregnant with our first baby. Jason literally did not talk to me for the first half hour or more because he was in so much shock. This wasn't part of our plan. I must admit in January this year when uh, Caitlin, our daughter, stood in front of me in her own world of shock, telling me that after only six months of marriage, she was pregnant with Her first. I kind of stood there thinking, man, history is repeating itself in the next generation. But while both Caitlin and I knew what happened, what went in to making that baby, it wasn't quite the same shock as Mary would have had as the angel came and visited her. I just cannot imagine. What this must have been like. Imagine you're Mary. You're a poor, young, teenage Jewish girl from an insignificant backwater town called Nazareth. It's a little bit like saying you come from an insignificant backwater town like Burke. And I can say that because I do come from the insignificant backwater town called Burke and I'm living proof that good things can still come out of insignificant backwater towns, aren't I? Just just nod politely at this point, yeah. But this is crazy family stuff for Mary. That I reckon if this happened today, it would make an awesome Jerry Springer episode. Can you imagine it? Jerry would love to have this family on his couch. First of all, you'd have the young teenage girl called Mary who claims that while she's already engaged to be married, she's been visited by an angel called Gabriel to tell her that she's going to have a baby, a divine conception and the father will be God himself. Imagine after the shock of finding out that you're pregnant and God is going to be the father. Now you've got to go and tell mum and dad. This is awkward. Mum's probably just sitting there crying her eyes out at the shame that will be brought on the family. Dad's probably demanding who this young punk is that made this happen because he wants to do something about the shame that's been brought on the family. And then comes the prospect of telling your fiancé. Now, Mary, we know, was betrothed to a man named Joseph. What you might not know is that back in those days, betrothal was a binding commitment. These parties have signed a contract that can't be broken except by divorce, even though no intimate acts have happened between the couple. Joseph would have paid Mary's dad a a certain amount of money because the father of the bride, get this, is losing a worker and the groom is gaining a worker. It's romantic, right? But just as an aside, I still have two really able workers at home that if anybody's interested, I won't charge too much. Okay? Come and see me later. But it's not until after a year of this uh, commitment, this contract, that the groom actually gets to take his his bride-to-be home to become his wife. So imagine this conversation at this point in time between Joseph and Mary, especially considering the fact that the groom has the right to stone his bride-to-be to death for breaking the commitment that she's made. This is a seriously messed up situation. The like I said, I'm sure Jerry Springer would have loved to have gotten his hands on. His ratings would have gone through the roof. They would need some serious intervention and family counselling, right? I love that God in his infinite wisdom actually knew that and he sent Joseph his own personal intervention come counsellor in the form of the angel Gabriel who brought a message to Joseph. But that's another story for another Sunday. From a human perspective, this is absolutely crazy. It's so hard to imagine how it would have been for Mary. But it's important to get some cultural perspective so that it makes a little bit more sense for us today. As I said, Mary was young, she grew up under Roman rule and oppression. She knew the stories of her heritage. Being a woman, she wouldn't have got to sit in the synagogue under a rabbi and been taught the scriptures by the rabbi. But these stories got passed down from generation to generation. She would have known how God had delivered his people from Egypt, how as they wandered in the the desert for 40 years, God provided for them with miracle after miracle. And Mary would have known the scriptures that foretold that one day God would send a saviour. And like all Jewish people in her time, she would have held really tightly to that promise. You see, Mary lived in a time where the cry for a Messiah had become even more desperate for the Jewish nation who were living under the Roman rule. They lived depressed and fear-filled lives. They would get scared just listening to the sound of horses passing by outside their house. Are they going to stop? Are they going to keep going? What are they going to demand of us this time? Old Testament scripture foretold of God's promise to send a Messiah. And the Jews, not fully understanding, believed that this Messiah was someone who would save them from the constant fear that they lived under and the oppression that they lived under from the Romans. A deliverer, a saviour who would rescue them from their foreign oppressors. A king who would sit on the throne and make all things right. They held out and they prayed fervently for this Messiah. And all of this Mary would have known, the fear, the uncertainty and the lifelong hope that a saviour would come to save her people. So when an angel turns up to tell Mary that she will be the mother of this saviour, whose father will be the most high God, it's a big deal. Whatever her understanding of scripture A massive deal on so many levels, right? And especially because we know the end of the story. But one thing is certain, when an angel turns up, you need to listen. This is a message that you definitely can't ignore. I'm not sure exactly how I would respond to a physical visit from an angel petrified is the word that comes to mind, maybe unbelieving. I mean, we went into a state of shock, just a phone call from the doctor, let alone a visit from an angel. But when the angel visits Mary, it simply says that she was greatly troubled. Maybe that's just the Queen's English way of saying she was freaking out. Because I reckon that's how we would say it in Australian. But there's no pomp and ceremony around this momentous announcement. Just an angel privately visiting an average young woman in a country town far away from any palace. And I love the fact that Jesus, the promised one, entered human life as he still seeks to meet it at the level of everyday experience with everyday people like you and me. And in this moment, God called Mary to take some big steps of faith. Uncertain of what her obedience would entail, unsure of what the future would hold, he simply asked her to say yes and believe that he could do what she couldn't and trust that he could see what she couldn't see. In a world full of noisy messengers, heralding multiple messages every second of the day, Christmas is a really good time for all of us to stop and listen to the message that the angels came to bring for ourselves. You know, we might not hear angels in the same way that Mary did, but God's word still speaks to us with the same power and we need to listen. Do you believe that this morning? God's word speaks to us with the same power and we need to listen. Today we're going to look at three ways that the word of God speaks to us in the same way that the angel spoke to Mary Firstly, just as the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary's identity in God, the word of God speaks loudly to your identity. The angel said to Mary, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Can you imagine what Mary must have been thinking in her head? It says that this greatly troubled her. Me? Highly favoured? A poor peasant girl? Are you you sure that you've got the right person? But then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And the word favour here simply means that God chose her to bear the Lord Jesus she was favoured or chosen to be the mother of Jesus. I love the way that commentator Daryl Bock puts it. The portrait Luke paints of Mary is significant. She's a model believer, taking God at his word. In contrast to Zachariah, who we heard about uh, last week, if you are here, she is favoured of God, thoughtful, obedient, believing, worshipful and a faithful follower of God's law. It must be emphasised, however, that despite all of these qualities, God's choice of Mary to bear this child springs from his grace, not from any inherent merit that she possesses. She is the object of God's unmerited, graciously provided goodness. You see, our favour before God and our identity isn't dependent on how we see ourselves. It's not dependent on our inadequacies or our shortcomings. It's dependent on how God sees us. It's dependent on God's unmerited, graciously provided goodness to you and to me. And I believe some of you really need to stop And listen to this this morning. And I loved as Tiffany shared her testimony of how God had spoken to her identity. And some of you, just as Tiffany shared, some of you look at yourself and you believe the lie that God could never speak to you, God could never use you, because you're not good enough. You don't measure up, you feel insignificant and unworthy. Because right now, you're focusing on all your shortcomings, on all the times that you've failed, on circumstances that seem too big for you to overcome or for God to ever use you. You know, the enemy would want you to believe that because he wants to do whatever he can to make you live a small and fear-filled life. But I want to declare God's truth over you this morning. The Word of God speaks loudly to your identity in Him. Are you listening? I'm just going to read three scriptures this morning, and there are so many more. Ephesians 2 verse 10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. 1 John 3 verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. Right now, see what great love the Father has lavished on you that you should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is what you are, children of God. See his great love that is lavished on us. I could fill a whole sermon just quoting God's word and what he says about you. And some of you need this morning to change how you see yourself. Have confidence in who you are Because of whose you are. You know, I kind of often liken it to a dad standing on the side of the sporting field. He's cheering his child on. And he proudly tells everyone, that's my daughter. That's my son. He cheers them on. And what does it do for the child? Oh, they feel good about themselves. Their heart wells up. They feel 10 feet tall like they could go out and they could win that game all by themselves. The pride of the father. You know, when Joey was little, um, he played soccer in the under sevens and he was so cute in his uniform. He was very cute. The only problem was that the time, that Joey was more interested in standing in the middle of the soccer field playing air guitar to himself than following the soccer ball. And Jason and I would stand on the sidelines yelling at, Joey, follow the ball, there it goes. And he would just kind of stand there playing air guitar, watching the ball go past. Thankfully, as he got older, he did learn to follow the ball and he became quite a good soccer player. But I tell you, our heavenly father looks on us in the same way. We never looked at Joey with um, uh, embarrassment. We still looked on him with pride. He's our boy and it was really kind of cute. But our heavenly daddy looks on us in the same way. That's my girl. That's my boy. And it doesn't matter what we do or we don't do. His pride in us is never diminished. Where his children look into his eyes this morning and allow his absolute pleasure in you as his child to make you feel tall this morning. Let it well up in you a confidence because of whose you are and what he says about you. Let the word of God. Speak loudly to your identity this morning. Secondly, just as God helped Mary to believe the impossible could happen through the words of the angel Gabriel, we need to listen to the word of God because the word of God speaks to make the impossible possible. Now Mary's expectations of her life at this point were probably fairly normal for a young Jewish girl living in her time and culture. She'd get married to Joseph and one day she'd be a mum. But this is huge. This announcement completely flipped Mary's world upside down. For a start, she suddenly became an unwed mother. The shame that was carried with that was intense. As I said earlier, Joseph had the right to stone her to death if he so chose. She'd forever be known as the woman who fell pregnant out of wedlock. People would be pointing fingers at her and laughing at her and talking about her behind her back, everywhere she went. Her family would be shamed. And it's not like she could go around telling everybody the truth. Hey, everyone, it's all okay. I'm actually carrying the Messiah. You know the one that we've been praying for for centuries? I can tell you when he's coming. Nine months from now, time to get ready. I reckon they would stone her to death for being crazy instead. This is a big deal. This is a big weight for a teenage girl to carry. This is not what Mary expected. But Mary's response sums it all up. This is impossible. It doesn't make sense. She says, how can this be since I am a virgin? But God in his grace and his kindness proves to Mary that he is the God of the impossible, that he can do what is not possible for man. Because the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. You know your relative, Elizabeth, the one who's longed for a child her whole married life, who is now so old that it's not possible for her to have a child, well, guess what? Just to show you I am God of the impossible, she's now six months pregnant. And I reckon this must have been the tipping point for Mary. If Elizabeth is pregnant, if God can do that, then God, I trust that you can do the impossible. And even though Mary didn't fully understand, her heart was willing in that moment And she trusted God and responded in faith. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. You know, there are times in our own lives when we don't understand what God is doing. When we question the circumstances that we find ourselves in. You might be questioning what's going on for you right now and what God's doing, or if he's even at work, what will your response to him be this morning? You know, like Mary, are you willing to put your faith on the line, even when you don't understand everything, even when you can't see how it will work out, even when it seems impossible Are you willing to say, God, I am your servant? You are the God who speaks and makes the impossible possible. May your word to me be fulfilled. You see, the words of Gabriel helped Mary believe that God could make the impossible possible and it allowed faith to rise in Mary's heart. Will you allow the word of God to speak faith into your heart this morning? Are you listening and allowing faith to rise in your heart? You know, Mary would have had no idea at this point of the story the full implication of what God was asking of her. But she takes it all in her stride and in faith she submits to him. And all she had to do was say... Yes. You know, as we come to this time of year, as we sit in busyness, maybe feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, uncertain of what next year will hold, let alone the next decade as we step into the 20s, I feel God wants to simply challenge our faith and our willingness to say the next yes. Yes. We don't have to know how the story will end. We don't have to understand the bigger picture. We just have to be willing to say, Lord, I am your servant. I say yes. Like Mary, we can allow faith to rise as we look back and see what God's done, as we look around and see what God is doing with others, to see that he's still at work. God is always at work doing what is impossible for man. God truly is the God that can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that that is the God that we serve, the God of the impossible? And if he can do it for an insignificant poor girl from a nowhere town like Nazareth, he can do it for you. And if he can do it for an unconfident, inadequate girl from the back of Burke, trust me, he can do it for you. You just have to have the faith and the willingness to say the next yes. Just like for Mary, there's an incredible blessing waiting on the other side. Of your yes, You know, six years ago when I started here in ministry as the women's pastor, God gave me a very simple picture and it was a picture of this whole auditorium filled with women worshipping. And it didn't happen instantaneously. In fact, I'm still six years on waiting for it to happen. But what God has done over the last six years is lead me in a series of yeses. Yes, God, I will hold a worship night. Yes, God, I will organise some women's retreats where women can gather and become part of a community and love on each other and worship you and lean into you. Yes, God, I will start a Thursday morning Thrive ministry for women where women can come along and worship you and hear your word and grow further community. And then the next biggest yes, as I keep growing in faith, was to start our first Thrive United conference. And Thrive is simply the name uh, for our women's ministries. And Thrive United conference was an opportunity for women from all our campuses to gather here together to worship God to lean into him and grow community together. And just in October, we had over 400 women of all ages in this space worshipping God, praising him with all their hearts. I haven't come to the full full fulfilment of that picture yet. But I know that as I keep being obedient, as I keep stepping out in faith to the next yes that God calls me to, the end is up to him. The next is up to him. I just have to be willing to say yes. Even though you don't know how your yes will pan out, so many unknowns, will you still say yes? You know, I look at Morris's story and I, I bet 40 years ago he had no idea what his yes would entail and the lives that are changed from 40 years of obediently saying the next yes and then the next yes will you say yes to Jesus this morning even though it won't always be easy will you say yes one yes and then the next if we're willing to say the next yes and step into greater levels of obedience and faith, we will see our perspective change. And we will see our faith grow as we see all that God has done and is doing. We'll grow, we'll keep moving forward as long as we keep saying the next yes. And then you get that joy of looking back. If you're still breathing this morning, God's got a next yes in your future. While there is life in us, God has a yes for us, a step, an act of obedience that he wants us to take. What's your next yes this morning? What steps is God challenging you to take? And are you willing to walk in obedience and watch the God of the impossible do what only he can do. Like I said, I believe God always has a next yes for us. And I want to create some time this morning where we get to ask him, just to lean into him and ask him what our next yes is. Maybe for you, You watched these baptisms this morning and and God put a yes on your heart to get baptised. He's saying to you, now is the time. Can I encourage you, head to the welcome lounge. Let somebody know if baptism is your next yes, your next step of faith. Maybe your next step in saying yes is, is heading into ministry and maybe you need to sign up to our Gateway Ministry School next year. Maybe it's as simple as inviting your family to church this Christmas. Maybe it's reaching out to your neighbours or your workmates and sharing your story, sharing the love of Jesus with them. Maybe God has put somebody on your heart that you simply have to ring and touch base with and find out how they are. Maybe God's been asking you to make some significant lifestyle changes and it's time you said yes. Today is the day for you to say yes. You know, I just want to encourage you, if, God, if if your heart is pounding right now, God's got something for you. That's his spirit speaking to you. I'm going to give us opportunity right now. I want everybody just to bow their head, close their eyes. Just remove any distraction from your world right now and come before God simply asking, God, what is my next yes? What is it that you've got for me? What steps of obedience are you calling me to, even though I don't know the end of the story, even though I don't know the bigger picture? God, would you speak to us? You now I'm going to give us an opportunity in just a moment to, to respond. But I love as I continue to read the story of, of Mary, her response to God's um, invitation, her response to the next yes was to write the most beautiful worship song of praise and thankfulness to God. Her heart overflowed with gratitude, even though she didn't fully understand at this point what was happening or what was going to happen. As I read this um, beautiful worship song, I wonder if you could just metaphorically hold in your hands the next yes that God has placed on your heart. And as you hold on to that, And you hear these words, allow faith to rise in your heart this morning. Allow faith to rise in your heart to believe that God is indeed God of the impossible. And what you hold there, He can do immeasurably more with than even now you know how to ask or imagine for. This is Mary's song. My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. Allow your spirit to rejoice in your Saviour this morning. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. We need to worship him this morning for all the good things that He has done, He is holy. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but He has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as He promised our ancestors. God is a merciful God to Abraham and his descendants forever and to us forever and ever and our descendants. What a beautiful song of worship and praise that welled up in Mary's heart. In the middle of her overwhelm, in the middle of her uncertainty, even when she didn't know the end of the story, Mary chose to worship God for all of His goodness and all of His faithfulness for generation after generation. And the challenge for us this morning is are we willing to do the same? As we do step into this new year, are you willing to do the same? To stand before God with your next yes and choose to worship Him and choose to believe that He can do what you can't see right now. I want to invite everybody to stand. Maybe your next yes this morning is to say yes to Jesus. Maybe as you hear the words from God's Word, speaking to your identity, to speaking who you are, to speaking to the impossible situations that you find yourself in, maybe you haven't come to that point of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, just like Mary did. And maybe this morning your heart's beating fast because you know that today is the day that you need to say, yes, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm yours and I am choosing you as my Saviour, as my Messiah, and coming into a, a relationship with Him. Can I encourage you, that would be the best yes you will ever say in your entire life. Your eternity would be set with Him. It's the best yes. And I want to encourage you this morning, if that yes is on your heart, hold on to it. Hold on to it. And as I encourage you this morning, if God has put a yes in your heart, He's given you a step of faith. As I said, I believe there is always a yes for us. There is always the next yes. I want to invite you into a physical act of obedience. I don't need to know what your next yes is, as simple or as complicated as that is. That's between you and God. As we sing this next song, I want to invite you to come down the front here to gather around. There's nothing supernatural or special about this. What is special is the act of obedience, of walking from your seat, to down here and saying, Lord, I am your servant. And I say yes. It's a simple, symbolic act of faith. Will you take it this morning? If God's put something on your heart, I want to encourage you, come right now. Right now, if you are willing to stand before God in obedience and say, I am your servant, I say yes. I want to encourage you to come. And we're going to stand together in this space and worship God for His goodness and His faithfulness. And then I'd love the opportunity to pray over you. Come on, if that's you, come right now, right now and stand before Him with your yes held out as you praise and worship Him. Come on.